0: Hello and welcome to Megacity Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics, uh, mostly the British ones. I'm Eamon Clark, I'm at the NICE convention, or at least in the preamble to, and I am here with Matthew Ellis. Welcome back, Matthew. Hey Eamon, very happy to be here. It's great to have you back again on the book club fairly quickly because you sent me a great idea for another, let's say, sort of moment from 1970s British comics. Yes, we've gone back further, further <laughs> still. And... I always, because you're quite a sardonic chap, Matthew. I was quite not quite sure with these, some of these choices whether you're actually having a slight joke with me. But tell me
1: <laughs> this
0: very interesting comic that you've chosen for us
1: to talk about today. So it's it's a story by Jerry Finlay Day, and I'll, I'll I'll tell you why I chose it afterwards. But it does involve Jerry. It it's um it's from Tammy issue one, and it is Slaves of War Orphan Farms. Slaves of War Orphan Farms. So slaves on a farm for war orphans
0: 29 episodes from the first issue of Tammy from February 1971 to July 1971 as you say, written by Jerry Finlay Day we'll talk a bit later about the art by Desmond Walder well, yeah, I, I don't know, you you know, know it's, it's
1: pretty good but I don't know of him no, we
0: don't know much about him at all um, and when you suggested it now, it girls comics I only know about girls comics from doing this podcast basically, because I've not got much previous experience with them And when you said the title to me... It is odd. (laughs) And it also seemed like if you'd got a random girls' comic title generator...
1: It would have come up with some... Yes, it it has got all the different elements, and... If they'd added in disabled ballerina who likes horses... (laughs) And looks longingly out the window at the farmhand, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So... All right, tell us why you chose it then. This is interesting. So uh, Jerry Finley Day last year pretty much came out of hiding. Yeah, uh, 2000 E Rebellion had, had done a nice collection of his work, so he was doing a signing tour. So I did what anyone would do. I know I was going to get some Robe Trooper books signed, but I, there aren't that many of them. So I, you know, I did the Wikipedia search and I found that he was editor of Tammy, which which does interest me that someone could be like like Pat Mills, an editor and a writer, because you think they. would give themselves the plum stories mm. but I, I i found this um facsimile of of um tammy issue one which i think came out with a broadsheet I, I, you know I, so it looks pretty much like the original copy and i took a one to get signed and uh he looked through it and i said well you wrote one of these stories as well of being edited. He Goes, oh yeah I, I did the um the slave story and even he had a twinkle in his eye and he goes we might have gone a bit too far with that one so obviously i'd gone with rogue trooper but i came home with a if jerry says that this one's gone a bit too far it's my duty now to track this down and read it and see i mean anything like that anything that's just a little bit exploitative or you know uh, uh, the, the funny thing i i thought is i i don't know girls i mean i've read some misty as well so, girls comics. so It's a bit like getting into a different temperature of water. Do you Mm. even I knew when I was reading this one. On occasion, they go far too far on this story.
0: Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I met Jerry Finley Day at Enniskillen this year, and because I
1: knew we were going to be talking about
0: this, I I also asked him about this story. And the one thing he remembered about it with me was that he didn't get paid for this story. Oh. Um, Which is presumably because, as you say, he was also the editor, and presumably in his budget he thought well if I write that one I don't have to pay the writer yes right that's, that's three pages done free three pages thing. in my budget that I, you know, but I'll do it myself so we should just say that Jerry Finley Day he was apparently working for DC Thompson I'm slightly interested in the sort of brain drain that was happening between DC Thompson and Fleetway in the 1970s that people like Pat and John and uh, and, and Alan Grant jump ship from DC Thompson to come and work for Fleetway. So they bring him down to work on Tammy and he becomes the editor from the first issue, which is fascinating. And um, it runs... Let's say Tammy runs from 1971 to 1984... Uh, it'll later be folded into or rather no, Misty gets folded into Tammy. Tammy yeah. They get they hatch, match, and dispatch at various points, don't they? And I think Tammy eventually ends up as a another title under the
1: title. But the great it? thing about girls comics, they're all they're all names. So yes. they merge very easily, you know, Jinty Ginty yeah. Ginty and Ma- um, Jilly. It's just like making friends. Yeah. They they're now a couple, now they've broken up again.
0: Okay, let's get back to slaves from the war orphan farm. Give us the outline of the plot. That's done, that, that, that the title doesn't quite give us completely.
1: <laughs> well, it's brilliantly done in one exposition box. So we learn that uh, Kate Dennison, uh, the, the first box just has her going, please let me stay with you, Miss Cox. My mummy and daddy are dead. And that's the all the exposition you get to say that, pres- presumably London, we presume she's in a city, it's been bombed, and off she gets hoiked to the countryside, presumably Miss Cox doesn't want her. Um Off she goes to the countryside, uh, and in the first... All these stories are really short, so they're just three-page instalments. By the end of the first page, she's arrived at uh, Mrs Thatcher's farm. And that is just... I had to do my dates because this is 1971. Margaret Thatcher came to power in 79, but it is accurate that in 71 she'd taken away the milk... Uh, the free milk from children in in class.
0: She become Secretary of State for Education oh, in, so 19, in seventy. So
1: yeah. yes. oh, she so but it was seventy one. She actually took. She was. She was said she was the um, the milk thief. I think That's the what milk the, snatcher. The milk snatchers. The tabloids had a field day. Yeah. And this is what, what are we on here? I think we're you know it's the early part. So this is February that February, year. February seventy one. Yeah. Jerry Finney days managed to cast her as the villain in a, in, a, in, a, in a story, and and she sorry she operates a farm which. Uh, on first glance looks benevolent and she brings in all these orphans from the cities and looks after them but no, she has them working down the mine Uh, I'm not sure what the mine is they have pickaxes and there were copper mines in the Lake District I've I've checked this but uh, it's never quite clear what they're mining for but uh, they are treated like slaves and um, Kate quickly realises she's got to escape but with that becomes the parallel thing of she wants to free the other children so she can escape herself but, but ultimately what keeps bringing her back, even when she gets to the local village, is the desire to free the whole uh, sordid enterprise of, of, of the um, of the war orphan farm. She's the plucky resistance leader yes. of, of these war orphans, isn't she?
0: There's two of them initially, two younger kids, and then, of course, a whole bunch of other orphans turn up throughout the story. And she is the one, as you say, she's always almost like
1: breaking back into the war orphan yes, so farm. Yes, at one point I think she does tunnel out in she seems to have free passage really yes. um, she she gets a lot of slaps though from 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 Mrs Thatcher she takes a lot of punishment she also has a lot of kind of self doubt or she worries she sees the consequences of her actions which I think is a trope of girls comics I'd like to you know I could get free but then what will happen to the other girls no one will come back to them so she she lives in this kind of manic world of s- thinking through the consequence of her actions far more than her age would, would probably uh Allow her, but um yeah, she's she's a, she's a, she's an interesting character. I just love the pace of the story, though. Do you see what I mean? I like we, we previously did the Prison of War story, and in that it's just to get out. Mm. But in this, there's the how do? you, Presumably, she's she's twelve or thirteen. You, you know, how does she how does she free everyone? You know, it seems such a ludicrous thing, and yet by the end of the probably fifty sixty pages, she she does pretty much manage it.
0: So. We talked about this a little bit when we did Terror Behind the Bamboo Curtain and that Pat Mills has spoken about this, that they found out from trial and error and experience what their audience is like. Yeah. And they found out the boys didn't seem to like the mystery element so much. They wanted the action and adventure, but girls liked a mystery. But they also, they found out that girls like... Suffering. They like their characters...
1: Sort of to go right through the ringer. There's sort of a level of kind of torture about it or tortured feelings, certainly, even if if it's not the physical thing. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the first episode, or, she, you know, she's literally... We've got Kate there going, they'll kill Peggy and Tom if I don't go home. There's actually no evidence they'll kill them, but she's ratcheted it up. She's torturing herself that, you know... It, her actions, weirdly, she judges herself by the consequence of her actions, even though it's, it's Mrs Thatcher that would actually be doing anything merc- mercenary that way. Um, but yeah, this one's got it all. We've got uh, sort of a minefield of bear traps that are, yes. you know, yes. uh, that we've got um, quite a nasty scenes of, of aiming a shotgun. At, at There's a lot and, of
0: casual use of shotguns. Yes, yes.
1: Um, Um, And we've got other things Just There's there's a slap on every other page really And she's unconscious quite a lot Or she wakes up And uh, they they all live in a barn as well It's never quite obvious um, How they live But it's in very poor squalid conditions
0: Well let's just talk quickly about head trauma (laughs) (laughs) Because One of the things That we learned from pop culture um, From that Certainly from that time period Was um, first of all, we all thought that quicksand was going to be a huge problem. But the second thing—the <laughs> second thing—is that you could knock somebody on the head; they would go to sleep for a little while and, and then come round and be fine. Yeah. Kate in this
1: story gets knocked on the head. Oh, continually, every other episode, every other week. I would have said so. Yeah, yes. she 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 shouldn't be well. She have yeah. to remember her own name by this point.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of repetitive head trauma. She just gets bashed on the head all the time. Um, but she also, as you say, there's the, there's the sort of... The fox traps or whatever they are, the field of fox traps to get through. Ma Thatcher has got some punishments for the kids when they step out of line. And, of course, because Kate is the plucky resistant.
1: She's always... just the one, yeah.
0: Yeah. So as well as being hit on the head, she also gets put in a cage.
1: Yes, and so Mars cage is... is realis- I think it's an animal cage of sorts yeah. that's, that's there.
0: Spends a night out in the open in this cage... And then there's also the scene with the guard dogs where she has
1: to stand and not move, because if she moves... The dogs will rip her to pieces. pieces. I don't know where these dogs... they have never been seen before in this story, but suddenly... And that, I suppose that's the yarn thing. I do think Jerry was making this up. Right. I, I think there was a, an element of over-egging himself to see, can we go even you know, even tougher than this 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 week? Can we really ratchet it up? There's one... Sorry, there's, amongst the physical um, violence or physical threats... There's an interesting scene. She, she Kate goes to town early on, and Ma says. So she works out she's got to go back because of the other kids. But then she gets she gets convinced to steal a gold watch off I think an, an American service woman who's there. And as she she gets she she gets she gets told she has to steal this gold watch. She does it, and then of course she realizes to the world she's a thief. So even she goes and tells them about the um, farm. Well, as a as a thief, as a known thief, her, her voice would have no standing, no credibility to her. And out of all the things that happens to her, that was the, one of the things that really made me think she'd sold her soul or, or, you know what I mean, really had lowered her her standards. So I thought, I'll give Jerry, sorry, he does some terrible physical things, but I thought that was a really smart early action to go, look, Mar can manipulate how people see you. Mm. Um, and that would still, I think that would work in any, um, you know, any, any story sort of thing. So there, there, there is... There is some sort of what do you call it, uh, more, I suppose, nuanced pain in this than, than just the beatings. But we, we love the beatings,
0: right? So, Martha's got this farm of slaves. Uh, she's sending them to work in this sort of mine quarry where they we see them shoveling something into buckets and pushing it along. And they have carts that don't seem to go anywhere, rail but, carts, yes. yes, that they load up, don't seem to go anywhere. Um, although they'll later be used as, just,
1: as a weapon, yes, yes, as a threat, sort of.
0: Uh, Kate's the plucky resistance leader who's always standing up for the younger kids, and and so on. I noticed when I was reading it yesterday, there's a sort of prisoner of war camp um, sort there's of feel to that, it. Yeah. There's some tropes from prisoner of war stuff, isn't there? Like you know, the escapes are very sort of, You know, there's a dummy. They use a the es- dummy on parade, don't they? For walking out, yes. Yeah. Which,
1: which, which so it has, I suppose the the, the the tropes of the prisoner of war are. are they have a set day you know and during that day they'll do their march or they'll do their job they'll do their parade and stand in line so how do you how do you continually have conversation about escaping or in this case freeing themselves whilst you have to continue doing your mundane tasks or even tiresome tasks Um, and there's a girl called uh, Annie who you know she's weaker than the others or she seems to be the um, the the girl who, who The poorly can, child. Yeah you can injure so she has to be the one that gets carried, you know, get you know is Annie I know, it sounds like the Michael Jackson song, doesn't it? Is Annie okay? But you know, she th- that gives Kate someone to look after. I, I do think the story struggles though with the other characters. So I don't think um we we have uh we have the two kids there, Peggy and Tom, who are barely developed. Annie gets a bit more character to her. Uh, and then we have the Almost as you turn a page the East End kids turn up and they're rougher and brasher than the rest and you think oh here's the here's the the the, the meat that might get us out here's the muscle that might get us out of here but unfortunately there's a twist in that story as well
0: yeah because we meet this character' this girl called Bonnie
1: Bonnie yeah who who's not who's not Bonnie
0: who's not Bonnie and turns out to be a sort of turncoat who spies on the girls former Thatcher and then later on has a sort of she Damascus itself. moment, Yes.
1: Yeah. I think that sort of almost happens off page, unless, uh, yeah. She, she's the um, she's the treacherous character, which again is a, a, a kind of a trope of of this. You know, you, you think you've you've you, the, all the problems are with Mar and Mar's lackeys, yeah. Uh, but there's not there's a there's a traitor in your in, in your midst as well that's going to set you back another twenty pages to give Jerry another seven more weeks worth of, of, of work to do on this story.
0: And there's also a peripheral character, a an older woman called Mad Emma. Yes, who is sort of living in the woods or something or in a
1: ruined yes, yeah, so she's ruined the buildings. She's the classic she gives help and she seems to give good advice. She says very early on she can't go to the police. Yes. So as a, as a as a narrative solution, she's not going to be the the page turner that gets you out. Mm. Um yes, yeah, she's almost like a Gandalf character that sort of the hobbits still have to do the ring thing, but he can she can swoop in and she 's often sometimes she 's credited and you think perhaps perhaps she didn't really help perhaps, perhaps this is all a uh, perhaps kate's prog- you know projecting it would have been funny i mean in a modern comic if she just didn't exist at all it's just, just, it's just, a, just a figment but a figment um, they, they they do play this very you know very straight and there's a mystery there because she 's got her
0: face covered that you never see her no. face and there's a reveal as to why that is later
1: on, which was rather sort of <laughs> sort of ambivalent you just sort of go oh uh, I mean we we can't ruin stuff the only other female character was the girl the service woman who she stole the watch from so of course I'm thinking it's the American woman who's uh, doesn't want to be seen you you know but the no I think sometimes with these Jerry has enough threads to keep it going but then at some point you realise he's he's got to pull the strings back together again to make it work um the other thing, oh, just very quickly, before I leave
0: prisoner of war camps, is that from the 70s I got the idea that digging a tunnel was fairly straightforward and easy. Um, and I'm sure it's not. Uh, but it, it's
1: fairly easy in this film, in this book, uh, this comic book. Oh, poem. yes. Yeah. You, the, can, you don't need a s- structural surveyor. You no, can just, just dig you know, a tunnel. As long as it's circular, it'll yeah, stay up. Yeah. Uh, you can go in and out of it. Um, at, one, at one point you're not quite sure how she has the ease. You know, as she digs back in and surprises the kids in the barn Yeah, and he's thinking it's like a teleporter now it's, uh, it's quite amazing the ease of which she has of getting through this stuff
0: I'm going to quote um, Julia Round a member of the book club in her book about Misty and girls comics she says um, she describes this, this strip as a working class heroine constantly thwarted hope and overt violence against girls usually <laughs> from an older authority figure and that pretty much sums up this strip doesn't it yes
1: I didn't, I, sorry, I didn't get that she was particularly working class. I mean, it's hard to tell, isn't it? You yeah. know, it's sort of, it's hard to tell where she comes from. And also, I think everyone did speak properly or posh. I, I thought was, I could kind of hear it with quite a posh middle class voice, in, it, but that's probably my reading of it.
0: Yeah, I think, yes, it, that might be right, actually, because my reading of Kate was that she was sort of girls comics middle class. Yeah. And Bonnie turns up and Bonnie is very much East End of London, tough character. So, who turns out as you say to be treacherous but uh, let's briefly talk about an artist let's talk about desmond walduck who we don't really know walduck i think desmond walduck we don't really know a lot about he lived from 1920 to 1995 probably best known because he was part of the dandere studios in the 50s and he did some dandere work and in fact actually as well as being a finisher in the sort of Frank Hampson Studios. He did actually do lead drawing on Dan Dare from 1954 to 1956. It is—it's black and white art. It's from the early 1970s. It's—it's it's okay. It sort of tells the
1: story, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, I think. And you, sorry, the, the Dan Dare thing makes sense because he can do likenesses. So Mar right. looks consistent page yes. to page, which is quite hard to draw. And he does. It's, it's sorry. It's definitely black and white in the sense, but he actually tries to do cross hatching to sort of bring the face to life, and you can see a, you know, the, the, the flesh on her face. He struggles more with things like dogs, but I mean, <laughs> I've got to say, the, I counted the boxes, so there's up to sort of nine to fourteen panels on a page. So mm. this would be incredibly time intensive, and you'd even say there's there's too much going on, like the. I got told your eyes, if you looked at a page, you should be able to see how how it flows, you know, where's the main images. With this, it's more like Watchmen, like the grid, you know, the, the three by three grid. It, it, it's quite regimented. But I, I think these, these pages would have taken days to do. They, they Probably they, they couldn't have, of course, because it's a weekly comic, but there's there's a lot of work goes into this.
0: Three pages a week, as you say, about on the first page here that we've got in front of us, 10 panels, Um a lot to get through. I did notice that he does tend to have lots of sort of white backgrounds <laughs> where... Oh, no.
1: Yes, you've, you've pu- you pointed out where he saved his time. He saved
0: his time, yes, because of the characters and the action and then it's on a sort of white background. Um, but, uh, you know, modern artists do that all the time, don't they? They You know,
1: um,
0: nowadays they've got the advantage of a colourist to do something with the backgrounds for them, and they
1: just do the figures. Um, they look like the illustrations of knitting patterns for those of you who remember. Yes. Do you know what I mean? They kind yeah. of they look like ad illustration, and um, that's what the line work looks looks like to me. That the little figures. I oh, missed Sorry, I've got to say, Tammy's a funny comic. That every I've been picking them up to get this, and every every issue just has a single face on the cover. Uh, and these stories, they they every story you know, in the comic looks for visually very similar. I high panel rates, as you said, three pages, and quite rendered in, a, in, a, in, a, in an advertising-type style, I would have said. Mm. The 2008 artist he reminded me of most was John Ridgway. Yeah, that's,
0: that's um, on The Dead Man, but also on Summer Magic, the Luke Kirby stories. And there's a certain Luke Kirby-esque to it, you know, the child sent away to stay with someone else. Um, uh, OK, so that's Desmond Ward, I mean... We both have in front of us rather pristine, what we presume are <laughs> facsimile yeah. copies of Tammy issue one. Um, uh, which, as you say, you've got the full, fa- full face on the front cover. There's an editor, of course, called Tammy. Of course. Um, you've got these three page stories. Uh, it starts with The Secret of Trebaran, which is a story about some sort of time travel mystery. Yep. Very much a mystery box story for girls. Uh, girls of Liberty Lodge, a school story with a difference. Uh, what else we got? R. Janie, meet a young girl who's mum to a whole family. Um There's a lot of
1: stories in here, isn't
0: there? A lot of stories. Julie Jeffries, the rich girl with the rebel spirit in My Father, My Enemy.
1: Um. (laughs) You can't read it in one go, but I suppose comics, like I said, this was to be read across a week. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I found it easier to read one story, like the slaves one, just stick to that that story. Um, It's funny, though. I mean, even in... I would have thought the Eagle comic, this is in the eighties, was still doing three-page stories. So Doomlord was three-page. That that followed this model of kind of give you probably eight stories with with three pages each. Where my understanding is, 2000 AD went to five pages a story, but that meant it could never, it could only ever be done in batches. It could never be the same. It couldn't be Kevin O'Neill every week doing right. Genesis on five pages. whereas three pages is the optimum for keeping do, the same artist. Yeah.
0: Um, I'll mention some other stories from the run of Tammy from 1971 to 94 they did they had Bella Bunter Billy Bunter's sister I think um, The Loneliest Girl in the World with Ooh. art by Home A Rumeau who we've talked about before on this podcast E.T. Estate by Malcolm Shaw who of course did, did The Sentinels it. I think is Yep. Yeah. And, um, and wrote the first Just Dread and E.T. Estate I've got no idea but oh, you know <laughs> This is <laughs> and Spartan School was another story um, Tammy became, I gather from reading the histories Tammy becomes synonymous with the sort of um, cinderella theme type stories G- Girls in trouble in strange places who... Um, Red, yeah, reduced circumstances yeah, yeah, reduced circumstances who you know, have to struggle against all sorts of adversities if one's as, who, This was from this uh, website you shared with me, uh, jintycomic.wordpress.com. Uh, if one series was the jewel in Tammy's crown, it would have to be Slaves of the War Orphan Farm. But what a dark jewel <laughs> it is. The cruelest of Tammy's tales. Perhaps the cruelest of all in the history of girls' comics. Um, fantastic stuff. What about the artwork? Are there any Grail pages? I did look to see if there were any... Pages on comicartfans.com, and I couldn't find no, any. I find any, either. and I couldn't find any Desmond Wall look at all. So I presume this was very much three pages disposable a week and
1: disappeared. I'd probably take the the quarry scene. So the the the, the, um, the quarry's been mentioned. They go there with the pickaxes, but actually the a uh, shotgun's pointed at Kate uh, and the only way she gets out this so she's going to get shot and the guy's going to say the shotgun went off by accident but she tells all the girls to look at the shotgun so that it's quite clear she's got witnesses that even if she gets shot I'd probably have that page just for that image I think it's a bit like the um, you know the uh, I think it's the action cover with the policeman on yes. the floor I think it's such a and I know it wasn't a policeman but it's such an odd sort of image that you'd feel uncomfortable seeing in any, whether it's on TV or the cinema. But in a comic, in a, in a girl's comic with a smiley, freckly girl on the cover, it's such an odd image. I'd probably want that page just to go, yeah, there was some dark, you know, you know before John Wagner, before Pat Mills, Jerry was doing, he, he was trying to subvert this or at least see how far he could push it. And as a piece of comics history, you know, I'd, I'd love that page.
0: Fantastic. Well, I'll post that when this episode comes out. Yeah, they they point shotguns at her. They try to throw a a rail cart down on top of her. There's
1: a burning barn, of course, as well. Uh, Well, they get bombed. Yeah, they get bombed at one point because they were bombing the Lake District. I think Jerry's geography is is a little bit (laughs) questionable. (laughs) Um,
0: um, It does have... It's got the plucky heroine. It's got the perfect villain... It's got an awful lot of repetitive
1: head trauma. It's got henchmen.
0: Henchmen, yes. There's henchmen
1: at, who just seem to do her bidding. Uh, it's got the scene we've all seen where they get free, flag down a car, and of course it's another henchman. Lucky, lucky you stopped this car because any other one would lead to be freeing. And the other thing I really like, it's got these exposition boxes. That, that somehow just explain big jumps as well. So, like I said at the start, she, she, she finds that her mum, and, her mum and dad are dead, sort of pretty much in an exposition box. You would have thought they'd show it. Do you see what I mean? You would yeah. have thought, like a game show, you know, you, you meet the contestants, you would have thought, well, why not have a page with her parents and then when they're sadly bombed, you'd miss them? But no, not, not in this one. Let's, let's get there even faster. Because um, he does it all in one panel. Correct, he? yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're into it now. Yeah. Your parents are gone. Off you, go. Off you go. Let's get to the farm as quick as possible.
0: Um, I do love the front, the first page, you know, with the title, and you also get those '70s comics things where they'd have like a, t- a strap, S- line, yeah, strap line, strap
1: yeah, line, just in case you, you weren't sure whether you were going to read it, having committed to "Prisoners of an Evil and Ruthless Woman," and the
0: fact that they do all the backstory in one panel, fantastic, straight into effortless it, effortless stuff, you know, it's really marvelous stuff. Um, so I would take that one. I think I do love these, you know, the taglines and strap lines that appear. Um, and yes, you're quite right. The other prisoner of war trope is getting into somebody's car or van and thinking you've escaped. You're safe, yeah. And then at the end, shot is they drive back into the farm, don't they? You know, like, no, you're back here again. There's,
1: there's a brilliant moment where the woman who drops her off, I think, Miss, Mrs. Cox, you, you go through the first episode and Kate goes into, sees the squalor of living in a barn, meets the other people. And the other woman comes back. who's dropped off for her gloves. Now, now this must be about eight hours later. So, presumably, she's got back to London uh, from the Lake District, and then thought, "Oh, I've, I've left my gloves." She goes back, but obviously, so you think she could uncover this at the earliest opportunity that Kate's gone to a despotic place. But no, she gets her gloves and drives off again. You know, you're thinking these gloves must be amazing to maybe worth that trip. But it's it's a good it's a good trope. And then later on the. Um, uh, the inspectors come as well and you think oh this this is going to be the, the game over but of course mar at one point is nice to them as well mar thatcher is nice to them and that even confuses kate you know this is again she, despite the fact she's got this this um iron determination mar is just nice to them for a few days to get past this inspection and uh, it, it, it's a it's another funny moment in a, in a very funny story So, Jerry Finley Day starts out as the editor. He obviously, as I say,
0: he commissioned himself to write this one because it would be a quick, cheap and easy one. Uh, Pat Mills was a sub-editor on Tammy for a while,
1: I believe. I think he was. So, it's just occurred to me, so obviously, if he'd had an editor, the editor would have gone, no, Jerry, you've gone too far. Right. Because he's written it, he's, he's writing it and editing it, presumably, so no one tells him. He's not, you know, he's, he's gone too far, which presumably that's what Pat did as well, you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. you're right. And of course,
0: it now becomes one of these famous strips from 70s girls' comics that if you start reading the histories... You know, it they, pops It, it up. pops up. There's even, I saw on the Wikipedia page, a band called Slaves of the War Orphan Farm. Sounds perfect. But it hasn't been reprinted,
1: has it, as far as we know?
0: Well, let's talk about reprints because, I mean, this is all owned by the Treasury of British yeah. Comics now. Um, and they'd done they had they had a couple of Tammy and Jinty specials, but that was mainly Sort of new artwork, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, new would stories you? based on existing characters, wasn't it? But not this.
1: Not not yet. How would you continue this story though? Um, or even, you know, collect it. Would they collect it? I mean I'd like I like to i I'd like to see it because I think it probably with some of action it would be good to collect Stories that you just think, as a moment in popular culture, deserve recognition. Even if it, you know, sorry, I think it should have a critical essays with it to say, you know, perhaps the context of what. Because obviously, we can remember just about the Margaret Thatcher references. Mm. What what is correct or incorrect about the, um, you know, the way World War II's done? But I think it'd be good if it'd be good if Rebellion did do this. Um, I think it's worth it. I think it's. I think the, this and the bamboo curtain are two of the ones I'd put forward. Right, along with probably quite a few out of action. Uh, and I think as a book, it would it, it could get even into academia that way. Do you know what I mean? If you if you position well, Julia Round would be the obvious course, person yeah. to Sorry, sort yeah. of you yeah. know to write around supporting it. essays
0: around it, wouldn't she? Yeah. yeah, and maybe whoever runs those um, two blog sites that we
1: found about this comic. Um, get them to write something about it. But well. I just like it because it's scurrilous. Do you I mean yeah. like I, I do? I suppose anything slightly exploitative or, or, or sleazy, I do enjoy for that that reason. But I do think it's a good yarn as well. Um, that, that it kept me hooked. This one, um, and it because it, it lasted from when the comic started over the. July I presume it was a popular story do you see what I mean because usually they within 12 weeks like Bamboo Curtain they just they killed it whereas this this lasted into the seventh month of the comic so you're thinking well this was probably a a pretty hot story that people were enjoying as well
0: Yeah. and I, I am you know you and I have talked about this on the last time but I'm fascinated with this idea of what was appealing to British comic book readers in the 1970s and have boys, and, you know, I remember this myself, we wanted to be the plucky war hero who resisted the, the evil Japanese prisoner of war camp commander, or we wanted to be Peter Parker and have superpowers, and that the girls' comics were sort of concentrating this idea of, you know, let's put them through the ringer, put them through the absolute ringer. Um, there's no superpowers, there's no sort of... They, they, but they, they will somehow overcome adversity in these awful schools or war orphan farms or whatever
1: yeah my but I chatted to my auntie about girls comics and she's in her 70s and the first thing she said was, she goes you don't realize how amazing they were because they filled so much time during the week and I said to her, what do you mean she goes you don't understand there, there was TV but there was only so much on so if 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 your dad was watching the sports you know BBC sports grandstand your saturday was gone, you know, in yeah. terms of TV. So you'd, you'd pick up this, and she said, I loved them all, and she was going, I love Mandy, I love Debbie, I love Belinda. You know, she was listing off these titles, and she just said they filled her life with colour. You know, they, they meant a lot to her. Yes. I think these, the story, though, the torture, had the biggest hook. You know, if I had to try and remember the cliffhanger from one week to the next the slave story would be the one i'd look at i think i'd i'd open this and go right what's happened to the slaves now i can imagine what's up what's up with kate is she yeah works? yeah she's it's, it's the prisoner soul block age thing you know kind of going yeah. you know it's so ludicrously ramped up that amongst all the other ballet and horse stories i would have gone this is the this is the one this i is th- the, one. The, the 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 one that you go to first so my auntie just said that you, you, you've got to remember how much colour they brought into our lives, which is ironic because they're black and white. But, you know, just in terms of the where else were you going to get this from? And she, was, she said, You did read books, mm. but books, by and large, were still quite expensive. And they were prescribed by your parents that's a good book to read. This was never going to be a good comic. Do you know what I mean? No. It's hidden. It's quite cleverly hidden behind the smiley faces. Yeah. I think girls responded to just that thought of adventure mm. or a different, a different world happening outside the window, really.
0: Fascinating stuff. So Slaves of the War Orphan Farm by Jerry Finley Day and Desmond Warduck from Tammy, 1971, uh, 29 episodes, um,
1: sadly not collected yet. Is it one, have you considered Tammy as a binding project? Yeah, so I, I, I'm missing two issues. Right. And then I'd, I'll, I'll have, I'll probably bind to it. it'll break my rule, usually you do halves of the year. So you do from January to the end of June. It's always a short version because IPC's comics always start usually February. But I'll I'll extend this one to the end of July to get the whole run of this story, I think. And uh, Jerry's already signed the first issue, so he knows what I'm doing. He knows I'm after him. So it'd be nice to get those done. And then I'm trying to get Battle done as well in the same way as funds allow.
0: Right. And Keith Richardson from the Treasury of British Comics, if you're listening... I think this is a good one. This yeah, is a good do, one, the, one to look so. at, and you could get some academic essays around it to support the the reprint. Yeah. Yes, great stuff. Anything else to say about it? I mean, it's
1: it was terrific. <laughs> I hope this. Mo- so, I, I always, um, I hope this leads to me finding other good stories. Like right. I would say, if anyone, you know, if you're listening to this and you go, oh, you should re- just just put it in a comment underneath on Facebook. However, you find Mega City Book Club, we could deal with sharing this stuff. Do you yes. see what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so if there's another scurrilous story, then then it needs uncovering.
0: Yeah, if there's another one of these stories from the 60s or 70s, um, or even the early 80s, uh, like Terror from Behind the Bamboo, Bamboo. Curtain or Slaves of the War Orphan Farm, let us know. Great stuff. Um, guest projects. We we mentioned binding. So you you bind comics
1: up. You talked about doing um battle and action and so yep. forth
0: any others on the go at the moment
1: yeah I, I like things that i think probably aren't going to get collected so i've i've had done the judge dread law Manor of the future comics so they were the it was a it was a, a younger comic uh or a younger aimed comic that came out with the 95 stallone film and the story is it's judge Dredd, he's more heroic he's less violent less um less cruel but the stories are the stories are okay actually. I've, I've got to say it's funny in the, in the light of Regened, um, there is a different way to do Dredd that that's accepted. But the, the it ran for about I think twenty two issues and there's a special. But it had the first appearance of a lot of the mainstay 2000 AD artists. So um, Simon Fraser's certainly his, his, his early work before he did Dante, Nikolai Dante. That's he's in there. Jeff Seniors in there. I think even Charlie Adlard does very early work in there as well. John Wagner writes one story. Right. I'm not sure if that was a, um, a handshake to him and a thank you for, for a little bit of a blessing to do this. But um, I enjoyed that. There's really good art in it. And um, I don't like the idea that things get forgotten. Do you see what I mean? If they're a yeah. value, even if they're not perfect. But I, I, I like those. I don't think they'll get collected anytime soon by Rebellion because of the the 95 film I think there's some issues around that and, and it's unpopular so I'll, I'll go from project to project trying to find stuff that hasn't been bound um, right also I'm quite partial to Spider-Man and Zoids at the moment Zoids, oh, yeah. Zoids I quite like oh okay so uh, yes there's, there's always stuff to find isn't there unfortunately
0: yeah. oh great stuff well we're, we're in Bedford we, we're about to go out now to the nice convention just a quick word about that uh, you mentioned that Jerry Finley Day has sort of broken cover in the last year sadly he's not here for this one but we might get him to sign some stuff uh, another one hopefully yeah that'd be great um hopefully they'll get him for lawless for next year that would be good um anybody here at nice today that you're keen to see
1: and meet and get signed or i like um alan davis right uh, barry kitson obviously probably one of my favorite judge anderson artists even though Both both here today um john wagner's here Yep. i think we're hoping for some sight of the the new edition of the Bogeyman, even though it's just him showing us a few a uh, few mock ups of it. The seventy seven guys are here. Oh right, okay. So they're they're um, pushing forward with this comic. Is Haunted? I think yeah. the third issue of that one. Oh, I um, just signed up for the Kickstarter for that this week. Yeah, good man. I've, I've still got to do it. And yeah. uh, no, I've got to say, nice. uh Jeff Chahal who runs the Northampton, Bedford and Peterborough comic shops runs it and it's very much probably about 30 creators it's comics, it's for comics, it's for comics so I, I've got to say it's, it's a rival in this part of the world to Lawless I think it's very similarly loved. and But he brings over a lot of international artists, uh, particularly Spanish artists as well. So, no, it's it's a good one. Looking forward to it. I haven't seen Alan Davis at a convention for quite a while. He always seems to have bandaged hands. Right. But then draw for the next 14 hours and you think... Bless you. He's 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 I mean I've been told if you go to the States, so if you go to San Diego, you're not gonna get near him. There'll be, you know, two thousand people ahead of you. So it is lovely that in Bedford there'll will only be twenty people ahead of you, you know. We are very lucky.
0: Yes, it is interesting that some of these two thousand AD artists uh, who've made it to select sort of like the international market, that if they were in America, we wouldn't be able Job. to get near yeah,
1: them. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah, just just but at lawless <laughs> or nice, you can actually hopefully Get t- right touch, them. touch them, touch Be old men even closer to other old men. Yeah, you know? I, think that, I think it's funny as we get older. I think they're closer in age to us. I know yes. that sounds yeah, yeah, we're getting to them, all, aren't we? Uh, and also, the, the, the chats you can have to them are about being mid-career or post-career. So suddenly, you've got more. You know, rather than a fanboy to creator, it does feel more. Um, you can chat to them about their working in more context of their lifetime, which is is very interesting. They, they broadly, I think everyone does enjoy. You know, even Jerry Finley Day, I think was slightly overwhelmed by the 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 amount of love for his work and i I do think as well as i always say i think he's an underappreciated artist that sorry writer that i I think was ahead of his time in many ways Mm.
0: and as you say john wagner's here today and i know that paul trimble from the emma Emma comic fest is coming over and that paul has previously i think given a copy or an issue of cindy comic to john to sign because john When Jerry Finley Day's editing Tammy, I think John Wagner's editing Cindy, I think. You know, it'd be fascinating to actually ask him about what it was like,
1: all these Judge Dredd blokes and Rogue Trooper blokes editing girls' comics in the early part of the 70s. It sounds like like a really good training ground. And obviously it built up perhaps a head of steam of I don't want to be doing this forever. You know, I don't want to be doing girls' comics. So when they finally get through war to sci-fi, they they clearly explode with all that pent-up passion of now i've got my chance i'm really going to take this ball and run with it i mean yeah. brilliant brilliant really i love the idea of jerry finley day not having an editor because he was the editor <laughs> <laughs> yes the
0: editor never mentioned i had gone too far <laughs> matthew thank you again for choosing this um it's a fascinating moment of british comics history that we you and i have found out a bit
1: more about we didn't really know about no, it, nothing uh, it's great stuff really great i'm looking forward to the slightly interesting choice that you'll pick for next year <laughs> no no worries i mean if this comes in print we'll have a little cheer about it yeah we will we'll, we'll big it up
0: great thank you very much thank you amon and thank you to everyone for listening to megacity book club as ever find all the links at megacitybookclub.com follow the podcast on facebook instagram mastodon threads and even blue sky now but not twitter anymore and email me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com if you've got any ideas about these obscure 1970s comics uh, from Britain, and, or if you've got one of your own that you want to come and discuss with me. So, until next time, when we're passing judgment on another great book, it's uh, from here in Bedford. It's Goodbye from Me and Goodbye from Me. <laughs>